Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. G'day and welcome to The Call. 10 stocks picked by you, two experts. One hour. It is Monday the 5th of December. Thanks for joining us. I'm Andrew Gagan. All right, to our two experts on the show today. Gaurav Sodhi from Intelligent Investor and Nathan Somersandaram from Deep Data Analytics. Welcome, guys. Thanks, Andrew. How are you feeling on this Monday as we're so now well and truly into December, sliding to the end of the year? Uh, are you feeling comfortable about where we are with the market at the moment? I actually am. You know, we've been quite negative, the both of us. Um, I'm actually probably more uncertain now than I, I was before. The, the data that's coming out doesn't really fit with any of the prevailing narratives. We know, we're, we, we know interest rates are rising. We know households ought to be feeling pressured, but they're not behaving in a way that suggests they are feeling pressured. And I think we're just, I'm in a place where I just want to wait until next year and see some of this um, consumption data coming out early next year and, and see whether that narrative is, fits or whether we've got that wrong. And the inflation data, I'm having trouble trusting as well. I just think so much of it is driven by energy and we've gone through a little seasonal um, lull in energy prices and that may have contributed to short-term falls in inflation. And I just worry we're going to see inflation pick back up when, um, when the rest of the world goes back to seasonal normal rates of energy usage and energy prices climb next year. So... Uh, I'm probably more cautious. I'm happy mm. to do very little. Uh, I, I think too often we try and do too much. I'm doing very little and um, sitting and waiting. Um, probably prices have fallen a long way in lots of good stocks. So it, things are, you, we ought to be getting interested and this is the time to be doing work. Not necessarily time for action. All right, so you're patient at this point. Mm. Nathan, yeah, how are you feeling about it? And, and yeah, further to Gaurav's point, I guess, about what's going on at the household level yeah. where we know they're under pressure and that pressure is only going to increase, particularly as the rates continue to go higher. Um, but their levels of savings are still high, aren't they? Mm. They've actually come back a fair bit. Um, I mean, if you look at US, for example, the savings ratio has dropped dramatically. Um, and the key thing is, um, you know, put numbers to what Gaurav just said, Everyone's borrowing even more. You would think logically, when mm. interest rates are going up, you'd mm. borrow less. That's bizarre so behavior. You've got inflation going up, and mm. the reality is, the, you know, if you look at the CPI weights, um, you know, I, th- I think I thought the funniest thing was, uh, we buy food. The weights of food is only double what you buy alcohol. So we're <laughs> we're, we're getting smashed a lot. Uh, yeah. And yeah. so the weightings are a bit not realistic for me, anyway. But the average person seeing inflation, they're looking at somewhere around ten to fifteen percent not what we're seeing in the, in the nominal amount. Mm. So in context, they're feeling the pressure, but they're just adding more debt, which is amazing. But it psychologically makes sense because we've always been shown by central banks that they'll always bail us mm. out. And so the market, you know, in the last couple of months, in the US especially, it's multiple expansion. And mm. you would think, you don't get multiple expansion where rates are going up. Here we are. We are actually seeing multiple expansion in a higher rate cycle. So it is unique. Uh, and I think because you know, most people are not used to this kind of cycle. Things are happening that people are not sure how it's going to play. So, yeah, we, we've been negative and we've been quite defensive. We actually think this is a time when you have to trade. 
So things that are expensive in your portfolio, you should be getting out, buying cheaper stocks because you're playing the valuation thematic cycle, so the recovery cycle. So you want to buy stocks that are cheap on the recovery cycle rather than holding expensive stocks and hoping that they can deliver. All right. Can I take that perhaps as a different strategy then, that you're prepared to just sort of sit at the moment, whereas you're being a lot more active? Uh, we are starting to trade. I, I would say in the last month, we've made more changes to our models than we probably made in the last three, four months. Mm. Mm. So we are seeing uh, uh, the cycle is forcing us to have to change because the multiples are getting too far ahead of themselves. If I can just add one more thing. I've always said that we need to see um, a, f a few things. We need to see three things before the end of this downturn um, well, ends. <laughs> um, one is the collapse of crypto, two is a correction in Tesla, and, and three is um, the repricing of non-profitable businesses. We've clearly seen number three happen already. Um, Tesla has halved from its peaks, and mm. I think that's appropriate, and crypto has now fallen over. And, mm. I, and I think that's, a, for, the, for those who are in those areas, it's really bad, but for everyone else, the, um, for the market in general, Seeing those three things falling over is actually a really good sign. It, it, it just shows that the stupidity and the heat is coming out of the market, and you need to see that. You need to see greed dead and, mm. and worry increase. Um, you need to see weariness uh, back. You need to see caution back. And you can see all those things just creeping back into the into Well, market a bit of reality. A bit of reality. Dose of reality, uh, but taking positives <coughs> from the negatives. Mm. Interesting. All right, so uh, to our first five stocks that we're going to cover today. Uh, Northern Star, Nine Entertainment, Sandfire Resources, CTI Logistics, and New Hope Corporation. Our stock of the day is Metcash, net profit to down despite growth across its food, hardware, and liquor businesses, with uh, group revenue increasing uh, close to 8% to just shy of $9 billion. Uh, brands for a number of its businesses, including IGA, Marta 10, and Celebrations all up the increase in revenue offset by uh, increases in fuel, freight and labour costs. So, Gorev, mm. Metcash, and we're talking about, oh look, I mean, you, we've still got to buy, uh, you know, our, uh, our staples, haven't we? So uh, a business like this survives in this sort of environment? Generally, inflation can be good for these um, fast turnover businesses that, um, that have really attractive working capital dynamics. By that, I mean that these supermarkets generally uh, get paid faster than they have to make payments themselves. So they're always, they're insulated in a way from, from high inflation. And, and more than that, they take a percentage cut. Their margins are a percentage of the sale price. So in a high inflation um, environment, they, the margins can actually expand historically in these businesses. So it's not necessarily a terrible place to be, but I think the market's well aware of that. And supermarkets across the board have been Un, unrealistically priced, in my view. Uh, I, I would say the same for Metcash. I'd say Metcash probably has surprised a bit. The, um, the performance has been very good. It's always had fantastic management. I think there was an idea that they'd get squeezed between the two big guys. They've actually carved out, which I, th I think is a sustainable niche for themselves, and they're performing really well. Um, there's a bit of cost pressure in there, but I expect that to be passed through or to be controlled by management um, over time, and so that doesn't concern me too much. It's very encouraging to see that they appear to be doing well in all their business segments and doing something differentiated from the, from the big guys, which is always the key for a third-party player like this. Mm. I'm happy to hold Metcash. I, I, it's not, I don't think, it, it's, a, it's a business in a weak competitive position with a very strong management team. Um, the finances look okay. I think you can eke out okay returns from here. It pays decent dividends. It's not a disaster. but. 
really, there are some really interesting areas in the market right now, and I would be more inclined to think of this as a funding source. Um, for me, I'd rather hold this, to be honest, than, than Woolies and Coles. I think Woolies and Coles are crazily priced. I'd be selling both of them. Right. That's where everyone's gone to hide. Um, that's where cautious money is sitting. And, um, you know, in downturns, it pays to be bold. You know, if there's, you don't want to be taking risk when everyone else is taking risk, but when everyone is cautious and, and, t and running away from risk, that's probably the time to, to lean into risk a little bit. So I'd be selling Woolies and Coles. This one's still, I think there's still a bit of valuation support. I, I'll go hold. Okay, Nathan. Oof. I didn't um, think you'd like that, mate. Yeah, <laughs> look, I, I, look we'll, we've been fans of the staple sector. Um, mm. If you look at what happens on a sector thematic, whenever you have a down day, you'll find staples is one of the sectors that outperforms. Mm. Um, so in that scenario, as part of your portfolio risk management, I think staples plays a part in it. Um, I think Woolies has underperformed uh, compared to Medcash. Medcash has outperformed. I have to say Medcash is slightly different to how the others are. Yeah. So you've got your Aldi that is nipping at the heels of um, a few of them. Uh, Aldi's done quite well. I think Coles, Woolies, Woolies is a better business and probably have less capex issues mm -hmm. than Coles. Um, so we prefer that on that cycle and Woolies is the biggest player. Mate, so that's like 25 times earnings. You know Google is now a 15 times earnings. It's very hard to, to buy Woolies when Google is sitting there at sort of 15 times earnings. Yeah, but it, the cyclical nature of Google is now the market is I suppose appreciating it, mm. where the defensive nature of Woolies, the market is hasn't appreciated as much. I reckon I think Google has more cash than Woolies' sure. entire market. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but, but the, and thing then is, some. the problem for most of those mm. techs is the the fact that it's such a crowded trade. Everyone is there over the last couple of years, so the the, the problem for them is getting the new guy to come in and put the money, and that's where they struggles. Uh, look, I, you know, in a global sense, yes, I understand where that's coming from, and higher rates is probably hurt them. But Woolies is one of those ones where I think they can play a lot more defensive. They can pass on the cost. The biggest problem a lot of these guys are going to have in the short term is the energy cost. It's mm. going to hit them hard because mm. it's not like you can turn off the lights or turn off the air conditioning. You've got a massive site and you're going to be keeping all well, of this. Well, transport. Exactly that. Mm. Wages. All of these are going to hit them. And I don't think people are understanding how. And the other part of it is the consumers. Again, as we were talking before, consumers are just adding more and more debt. And at some point, that's stops mm. and we've been amazed at the level that they have got to and this is a global problem it's not just in australia globally that's happening right and so at some point the consumers will start to pull back i think the staples holds up better than retail but i think still struggles metcash for me it's a hold um i think it's been run well i think it plays to the thematic so it'll hold i don't think you're going to get much of a return but if you've been there you've had the appreciation you're still picking up a good yield i don't think anything's going wrong yet so I'll be hold on the whole sector and Medcash is one of them. So I don't think any of them are suddenly in trouble, uh, but I don't think you're going to get the bigger return. I think that net net within that sector, mm. I think Woolies is giving you a better discount than right. Medcash. So you've got to hold on Woolies and Coles as well? Uh, uh, we are actually on a hold on Woolies. We're not fan of Coles on a relative mm. basis. I think Medcash is on a better um, uh, earning cycle than Coles. So you, if you had to pick an order for me, I'd be Woolies, Medcash, then calls okay. in that cycle. All right, that is our stock of the day, both a hold. All right, let's get into the stocks as picked by you. Jimmy, wanting to know about Northern Star. We're getting into the goldies. Uh, and of course, we have seen the gold price uh, appreciate significantly, certainly over the past month or two, perhaps on thoughts that um, central banks are gonna start easing that pace at which they're lifting those rates. Uh, maybe it's because we have seen inflation peak, but that's still debatable, of course. So, 
Uh, gold, Mathan, Northern Star, one of the biggies, of course, well, the second largest on the, on the ASX. How do you rate it? Oh, look, it's probably the best uh, exposure for the gold sector. Um, it's mer merger of Northern Star and Saracen. Uh, management's pretty good. Their track record's pretty stable. Um, and it becomes, and you have to remember when the thematic changes, the biggest guys get the liquidity. And so the ETFs and the global funds will jump to the big guys and Northern Star benefits from that. Um, so it's run from, I think a couple of months ago it was seven bucks, now it's 11 bucks. Mm. So it's had a good run. Gold has bounced from low 1600 to now just over 1800. Um, and I think the main thematic here is what's happening in um, the market's view of US economy. So as the US recession fears start to pick up and that's now becoming much more prevalent than before, the US dollar has rolled over and the bond yields have lower rolled over. Now, if you look over time, whenever a recession cycle comes in, that's generally what happens. So people are looking at uh, what's happening in the US dollar. It's had a 18 month cycle going straight up mm. and it's now broken all moving averages. So it's rolling over hard. And so as long as they keep rolling over, the market is going to start to worry about central banks slowing down, inflation remaining relatively strong. So in real terms, gold starts to look much better. So I think gold prices had a pretty big run in the last couple of months. I think it remains going up. So in that context, your best exposure in the index is Northern Star. And I think it continues to outperform. We are positive on it. We remain positive on it. I, I don't see why you need to be turning around. We've got probably the most crowded trade in the world in the US dollar index. If that starts to collapse, and which is happening, mm -hmm. then gold continues to outperform. So. Till that changes, we're long Northern Star. All right, and what prefer that over the likes of Newcrest? What because of its um, cost and so on? And I actually like Newcrest now, but the biggest problem I've got Newcrest is we've spoken about before. You just have this tendency every six months to wake up and something goes wrong. Mm, right. And, and Northern Star doesn't do that as much, so yeah. it's probably the cleanest and the best. All right. And given where you feel as though that gold price is going at the moment, obviously off those lows, would you be venturing into the explorers at all? Um, the producers are relatively cheap. So for me, the, the trick here is when you, you need exuberant, uh, I suppose, cycle where everyone is seeing no end to the cycle, that's when explorers have their run. Mm. When producers are cheap, why go to the explorers? You can make good money on ex producers and producers straight away get their cash flow going up with the higher prices. So I'm, we, we're long a number of Aussie gold miners because I'm a bit skeptical about African gold in a tough economic cycle. They tend to disappear, uh, especially the mines. Mm. Uh, so the Aussie gold miners are doing well. Their profits are going up with the gold price. So I suspect your risk return currently still sits with the producers. Yep. So I'm sticking to the producers. If the cycle goes to that next level where they become expensive, then I'll start to look at the explorers. But at this point, um, why take the risk when you can make money in the producers? Okay, so are you still buying at these levels or just we, we, we have a it's probably one of our overweight sectors yeah uh, and we have multiple stocks in there and we like most of them i mean probably the best performer in the sector has been gold road mm. it's it's really killed it it's killed it uh, and yeah. so uh, that's probably a hold for me where gold road has yeah. run yeah. Uh, where the others are barely this is probably made the half the recovery yeah and there's things like silver lake regis uh, west gold mm. you know they're at the bottom so we like the sector uh, and you know the cycle is in their favor so yep. I'm long all right Gaurav are you as bullish 
Yeah, I don't know what to think now. Um, when Nathan <laughs> and I agree, yeah, <laughs> I don't think anything good comes of that. But he's right that this is one of the most maligned sectors on the ASX at the moment, and for good reason. You know, the, the gold price has not done what it's supposed to do. We're sitting here in a high inflation, high cost environment, and gold is sinking. Mm. Crypto has fallen over. With, well. Exactly, with a mm. war on, mm. and gold is sinking. It, it really shakes one's confidence in, in gold. And but I think that's, sorry to jump in, but that's mainly because the Fed yes. went ultra hawkish. Yes. Mm. They said, we're going to do this, yeah. which was always, it's the opposite of RBA, but both of them have their problems. Yeah. Yep. Because the Fed can only do that till the recession fears get mm. to a certain level and then they go, whoa, mm. and that's what's happened. You called the uh, USD long, the most crowded trade in the world. Um, that and I would add uh, new battery metals oh. <laughs> as the most crowded trades um, in the market. Um, and I, I think you're right, Meth. Um, just simply by the fact that so many people are dismal on gold. It, I think it's interesting. I think it's time to start looking at gold. Northern Star is a, is a rightly celebrated gold miner. When you ask most people which gold miner should you buy, I think 80% of the time Northern Star will be mentioned first or second on whatever list rolls off their tongues. And, and that's for good reason. This has been a very impressive miner for a long time. I actually used to own this about 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, and 10 years ago, it, uh, a bunch of guys uh, from Northern Star uh, came from Barrick and they bought out uh, three gold mines that Barrick was exiting from Australia simply because someone in head office had decided we don't want Australian mines are too far away let us cut Australia so these guys had worked on the mines and so they bought those mines really cheaply and the success the reputation of of, um, of Northern Star has been built on that single acquisition the chairman and the CEO have now left that business mm. Northern Star is not the scrappy little upstart. It hasn't benefited from any, any fantastic, insightful deal. This is now the consensus trade. This is a, the, the second largest producer. The production growth is there. They've got a really good asset um, in, in WA. In fact, all their assets are actually fantastic. That's a really good quality miner. But I just think the hustle is out of Northern Star. It's, I, I would look elsewhere. It's not, a, it's not a sell for me, it's a hold. But my default goalie is no longer Northern Star. I think that's mm. a, that, that, that trajectory is over and people still think of this as a business that it no longer is. Yep. Um, evolution for me is more interesting. It's still got yeah. that hustle. The asset base is nowhere near as good, but in Jake Klein, you got a guy who has time and again proved that he knows how to do deals to make money. And of course, our long-term favorite for Meth and I has been Gold Road, which I still think it's performed the best in the sector, and I, and I still think it will do well if the gold price does well. Okay. All right. Well, we better get a, a move on. Yeah. We're sort of yep. stuck in the gold mine at the moment. <laughs> so let's get out of that before time beats us. Our next stock that we're taking a look at is Nine Entertainment. Simon wanted to know about this. Um, just in terms of news, recently struck that deal with Tennis Australia, $425 million, in fact, for the rights uh, until 2025 to 2029. Uh, Gaurav, of course, we have to be mindful of what's mm. going on in the broader economy with the ad spend. Yes, that's nine. right. Everyone's aware of it. You can look at the share price and everyone's aware of it. I actually think this is the more interesting area than it used to be. More than any other time in the last 10 years, these big media companies are now interesting. Um, and it's they're interesting because they've stumbled upon a business model that seems to work. Um, the integration of, of radio, newspaper and TV, they share stories, they share content, they share distribution, they share talent. I mean, you now see newspaper journalists on TV and on radio 
it's a really good um, little model and they're getting the benefits of the change in, in content laws where um, the big platforms are paying them tens of millions of dollars a year, keeping these guys afloat. Um, they're incredibly cheap. I think the cyclicality is the one thing that keeps me concerned. Um, but look, there's nothing wrong with this. I I'm interested, um, just to hold for me, just because I don't know. I don't have the conviction to buy it. Um, but I've got the same concern that everyone else has. And if everyone has, else has the same concern, it's probably something that's already in the price. Yeah. But I haven't done enough work on it. The other one I'd, I'd point out is, um, I always get wrong, Meth. I think it's Seven West, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, Seven West is probably more attractive at this point. I think that thing is, has paid back a lot of debt. The balance sheet is all fixed up. Um, very good um, strategy. I think management looks really, really good as well. That's probably the one I would be more interested in than nine. But these, I think investors are neglecting these big media stocks. I, th I think they um, have changed their models up. Their balance sheets are cleaned up. There's a, there's a new plan um, and it's working. Okay. Um, so put, keep them on your watch list. Yep. Nathan? Yeah, I'll, I like the media sector. We like the, the big ones and the small ones. Uh, so we Southern Cross? Yeah, Southern yeah, Cross, okay. media mm. in the small side, um, unique assets. Nine Entertainment, Graf's right. It's, it's a behemoth. It's the biggest one in the sector it's got um, multiple parties so it's got the online it's got the print it's got the radio it's got pretty much all the pieces right so cross-selling is great obviously costs are going to be a problem but in an economy that's i think if you look at the global economy i think you're going to see we all know europe is in trouble uk is a mess um, us is now starting to get into trouble china has substantial slowdown so global growth is going to struggle but australia still holds up quite well compared to most of the major developed markets um, and the commodity exposure tends to do quite well. So we should, we should have a very low probability of a recession. So Australia should hold up well. So the economy should start to bounce. Now, if you look at nine, um, it fell from, I think in the second quarter, it fell from $3 down below $2. It got hammered. Mm. So all the retail stocks and media stocks got hammered on that. So we jumped on the back of that because they were priced for recession when the rest of the sectors weren't. Mm. Um, so they've recovered now. So it's from about 180, it's now 220. Oh, we still like it. I mm. think nine, nine Entertainment becomes a default choice. Uh, it does well. I'm happy to hold it, paying a good yield, um, and it's you're playing the economic recovery cycle. So okay. happy with that. That's a double hold then for nine. Let's head back to the resources sector. Sandfire Resources. Mike wanted to know about this. The copper play. Um, in fact, uh, probably about the only pure play left. <laughs> Would I be right? In the Oz Minerals, obviously, there's a couple you know, of smaller ones. But yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. but um, Oz Minerals going to BHP effectively. Mm. Uh, also change at the top uh, with the appointment of new uh, MD and CEO. Nathan, uh, particularly where we're looking at the copper price, where that's likely to go. Yeah, th this is the fascinating part about it is how the China story has driven a huge bounce in our resource sector. but. If you think about copper per se, copper actually has underperformed gold. Everyone thinks gold is crap, mm -hmm. <laughs> it hasn't done anything, mm -hmm. but copper actually has done even worse. Um, and guess what? BHP wants to buy Osmin, which is the biggest and the cleanest copper player out there. So obviously they know something that we don't. Um, you're right, the last bigger one left is Sandfire. Nobody wanted to touch Sandfire when you got Osmin, but now that you don't have Osmin, yeah, yeah, yeah. suddenly Sandfire <laughs> starts to look good. Yeah. So yeah, look, I think, I think the economic recovery cycle, but look, the share price has had a pretty big bounce. Um, I think the market knows that you're basically trading what's happening in copper. Mm -hmm. uh, so if copper goes higher, yes, this goes higher. But my problem in the shorter term is I think the recession worries are going to grow globally and that'll weigh on copper. Um, I'm looking at the most hated one in gold, which 
for me, the upside is still there because everyone's not there. Where in the resource sector, in, in if you look at EV and base metals and things like that, a lot of people are already there. So net net, I think I think it's a hold here. I'm not getting excited chasing copper here, uh, but look, it's. Sandfire is going to look good. Nobody wanted to touch it a couple of years ago, but it's going to look good because there's nowhere else to go right. as a big producer. So yeah. it's the last man standing advantage. So okay. I think Sandfire is a solid hold, mm. but I'm not chasing it here. All right, Gaurav? Yeah, it's a tricky one. I spent some time on Sandfire and I also found it difficult to come to a conclusion as well. I'm not bullish on copper. Um, there's a lot of copper. Every, and there's, a, there's a prevailing narrative that Copper is, is, a, is a big EV metal and, um, and there's a shortage and grades have been falling. There's no new mines. We're probably next year, we're going to have the, the biggest um, increase in new supply in copper we've had for maybe a dozen years. Um, and I'm not sure the market can, can cope with all that new supply. If you look at where big miners are spending money, they are all pouring billions of dollars into copper. I don't think copper supply is going to be a problem. Um, and for all, and, and you look at the marginal cost of production. Copper at three sixty a, a pound sounds very cheap, mm. but the marginal industry cost of production is is well below three. I, I think we could see copper down to three dollars or, or under um, before this cycle is out. So I'm not all that enthused by copper. I, I don't count it as an EV metal because, although there's lots of copper that goes into EVs, the proportion of that material against the total copper market is still pretty small. Sandfire is interesting. Um, I've been concerned about Sandfire because they have a declining asset in De Grusa in WA, and they went off and made two enormous acquisitions. Big red flag for me. When the primary um, production point is falling and management then goes out to buy production, they usually make a hash of it. Um, I actually bought some interesting stuff, I've got to say. Matza in Spain is a, yeah. is a famous copper mine. At the three underground mines joined together by an enormous processing facility. Looks really good. That ought to be around for 20 years. It's a wonderful asset. They bought this thing in, in Africa, which I'm not so sure. I think, I think the jury's still out on that. They're, they're spending about $300 million to, to do that up, to get the resources and processing up to speed. I think it's just a hold. Um, it's, it's interesting. I, I, I like what they're doing. I think they may have avoided the curse of, of buying crappy assets. Um, and I like the change of management as well. But I, I still think um, that, that copper price is a, is a big, there's too much enthusiasm about copper um, and it's not time to buy copper yet. All right. Okay. That is Sandfire. Let's uh, move on to CTI Logistics. Uh, Jenny wanting to know about this. It's a, it's a logistics and transport uh, company that's actually located in Perth. Well, that's where it's based. Um, a uh, profit before tax there, um, expected to exceed um, previous corresponding period by about 60%, revenue up around 20%. Um, Gaurav, do you know much about this? I used to own it. Yeah, it's, oh, it's a, well, it's a fascinating little company. Um, yeah. So this is uh, a, a dominant um, a logistics business in WA. The reason we don't know about it here, because it only has a small presence on the East Coast, but mm. in WA, it's a pretty big deal. I think they do about 40% of parcels in WA. There's a little business in there called GMK, I want to say. I might get that wrong, but it's a little business in there that um, cuts and delivers carpets to, to big customers. It is a duopoly in WA. They make a mozza out of doing that. Um, there's only two companies in WA that cut and deliver carpets on scale, and these guys are one of, were part of that duopoly. It's one of the most underrated duopolies um, you'll you hear about, but it's wonderfully run. The founders own about half the business, and they are good, sensible capital allocators good, sensible operators, but they just own a, I would say, an average business at best. 
Um, half the business is just uh, last mile logistics, which is a scale business. And in, in a good year, they'll make 10% margin. In a bad year, they make 1% margin. And times are very good. They're making currently 11, 12% margins, which is way up there historically. Um, the other side of the business is a logistics business. They've got a whole bunch of property. And the idea is, the, the only bull case I can see from here is, is that they take the cyclically high cash flows from, um, from deliveries and then they develop these properties that they have. And they have about 90 cents worth of properties per share. I think the, the, the share price is a dollar, what, 50 or something like that. Yeah, yeah this, could, this could get interesting. I don't think it's time to sell yet, but one eye on the exit because this is a, a very cyclical business and margins are sky high, they won't last. It's almost a mining stock. Um, I, I, we, I bought this in the last mining trough and I sold it before the boom got too boomy, so I didn't make too much money on it. But mm. you, you treat this like a cyclical mining stock, um, and now is not the time to buy it. But I think there's enough interesting stuff here to hold, very well managed. I'm sure these guys will develop the property sensibly and make a good go of it. But um, thanks for the suggestion. It's a very interesting business, and mm. it was interesting to see how much progress they've made. Um, just a hold for me. Okay, Nathan. Yeah, this is this is a second logistic company that small logistic company has come up in the last What's several the weeks. I forgot the uh, the code of the other one. Okay. We were looking at uh, uh, um, Fox uh, <laughs> trucks. Oh, is that? I didn't even know yeah. that was listed. Okay. Oh, I was on another sh the call, I think. Okay. And there's it. And so it's interesting that people are looking at this. Um, look, I didn't know much about it. It's it, but I have to admit the last the data in the recent time looked way too positive. Yeah. Mm. And the market has <laughs> reacted way too positively. So. Um, it's a cyclical stock. It's transport logistics, you know, when the cycle In stock. WA. Exactly. So Where, you got yeah. boosted up with high commodity That's prices right. and everyone's spending. Yeah. So this is the boom time. So now is now the time? No, I would actually go the opposite side. I'd say sell. Take your money, go somewhere else. Because remember, cyclical nature, when everything mm. is on the back of you, that's when you should be selling. When things are looking ugly, that's when you buy. That's ordinarily and correct. Just the management here is really sharp. And they've got all this property they're fed fiddling with. I think there's there's a chance to actually they, make they more could, money from they, that. They yeah. could, but the, the risk here is management who own this, they're not yeah. in a rush to do no, anything. they're not in a rush. And they'll probably just yeah. sit through it and they'll yeah. come for the next cycle, right? Mm. So chances are, so at, I would say you should at least reduce your holdings probably by half because um, you've done really well. This is a cyclical stock, peak cycle. This is not the time to get in. So if you're there, I'd probably reduce uh, my waiting. If you're not there, I'm not jumping in. Fair enough. All right, let's head back to the resources sector. New hope in the coal space. Uh, and uh, well, I guess we have to look at the, where the coal price is going. We've been talking about that with gold, of course, as to uh, what's going on with these companies. In fact, uh, they're all down today. But um, uh, Nathan, how do you see New Hope then? I mean, what's primarily thermal coal, isn't it? Um. I had to borrow Gaurav's words, but this is probably the least complex coal miner <laughs> out there. Uh, yeah. And it's, look, it's great. It's done really well. And then people got way too excited, like this was going to happen forever. Uh, and it got priced up and all the coal stocks ran really hard and just mm. come off. We are still positive on the energy sector. I think you just have to work out um, how that dynamic plays out. For me, everyone got way too positive on coal did not pay enough for LNG and then the LNG ran up and that's played up. Uh, oil was the laggard and then the oil's run up a bit and that's caught up as well. We've been playing that through Karun. Uh, and on the speculative end, uranium, and that's done pretty well as well. So I think overall the energy thematic still plays, but I think coal, you've kind of got ahead of yourself and I think it'll come out. 
Um, everyone will tell you they're going to pay pretty good dividends and all that. Yes, everyone knows that. The cash flow is solid and it'll hold up for a while. Uh, and everyone knows that. That's priced in. So where are you going to get the marginal buyer? I think it gets harder. I think you need to diversify within the energy sector. So we've did, done that. Um, and for the last couple of months, um, my view on coal has been the same. You should be downweighting coal and moving into other parts of the energy sector. Has not changed. I'd, I'd say even more confidently now that you should be downweighting your coal exposure and looking into other parts of the energy sector. All right, Gaurav. I disagree. Um, yeah, um, as Nathan said, this is one of the best coal mines you'll ever, ever see. Bengala, they own 80% of Bengala um, out in the Singleton area of New South Wales. One big pit in the ground, um, stable gas, um, so you don't get the, the, the gaseous coal that, that can cause explosions and problems. You've got one um, drag line that runs 24 hours, a fleet of trucks. It doesn't get easier than this. This is, I think, the second or third lowest cost coal mine in Australia, one of the lowest cost coal mines in the world, um, produces fantastic quality, and I think this is the key. Um, I, I think the coal price has moved um, not just cyclically but structurally, and the structural move in the coal price has been disguised by the Russian war. Everyone thinks that uh, coal is high because um, the Russian supply has been taken off the market. Mm. I think what's happened is that the supply strike um, that's gone on worldwide um, has been met with, um, it, it's, it's changed the coal market. The coal market is now bifurcated and you've got this high energy coal and all the other stuff. And if you look at the coal prices, the spreads between high energy and the other stuff is, has never been higher, and it's, I think that's permanent now. And that's because the demand for high energy coal is continuing to rise and will be there for the next 20 or 30 years, whereas low energy coal will disappear within 10 years, and um, the market's onto it. And um, there's, there's no new supply coming, regardless of the energy content of that coal. So you've got, you've got a huge gap opening up between the supply and the price of of high energy coal. These guys do very high quality coal and I still think there's an opportunity. I think you're going to see $200 coal for the next um, several years, three, four, five years. The futures market is telling you that as well. Um, so I think, I think New Hope is still a buy. This is the only other coal miner, by the way, that's going to increase its production by close to 50%, completely absent from the share price. Um, they took take them 15 years to get a mine expansion. That mine expansion is now approved and they're going to add uh, 5 million tonnes within 18 months. No other coal miner can say that. And for some reason, this is completely absent from the share price. Um, I reckon the market's got this wrong to buy. Mm. All right. Good diversity of opinion mm. right mm. there. All right, let's uh, sum up where we've been for the first half of the show. It began with our stock of the day. That is Metcash off the back of its latest results. It's uh, a hold from both. Um, uh, you know, Gaurav saying he would hold it, probably sell uh, the major competitors there, Woolies and Coles, whereas uh, Mathan tends to prefer Woolies and then Metcash. Uh, our uh, first stock as picked by you in the gold space, Northern Star, it's essentially Mathan's go-to in the gold space and he's uh, bullish on the gold price, whereas Gaurav, he's, uh, he's got a hold on it, actually prefers uh, the likes of Evolution. Nine Entertainment, also a double hold from both and uh, then into back into the resources, Sandfire, the copper miner, a hold from Mathan, also a hold from uh, Gaurav, and, uh, but Gaurav's not bullish, bullish on the copper price, so he's watching it. CTI Logistics, which Gaurav used to own, uh, he's got a hold on it, uh, saying it is a wonderfully run business, 
but it's an average business. Uh, perhaps be looking to sell, and Mathan, he has a sell on it, or at least reducing it. And uh, finally, the New Hope, the coal miner, a, uh, Mathan is selling it, and whereas differ, differing opinion there from Gorav, he's seeing the coal price there remaining at those elevated levels, he's got to buy on New Hope. All right, so uh, let's check in on our own high conviction fund here at the call, which is picked by our investment committee. The latest episode of that is live here to watch at osbiz.com. So let's check in, see how it's performing. Going to November, Isatec Pivot was removed. Seven Group was added and Mineral Resources was trimmed. JB Hi-Fi and West Farmers waiting, so they were increased. So in terms of performance, the fund is up 10.5% wow. on a cumulative return hey, mate, basis since good. inception on March the 1st. Well, kudos <laughs> then to, uh, to, to Nathan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but booze for selling Minres. I think that was the, the error. Hey, Everything else I, I, ca- I can't. I didn't want to sell Interdeck Pivot, that's gone up. <laughs> you so, make you know, a compromise somewhere. It's, it's the beauty of the committee. That's right, it's a committee. Uh, you'll never get anything done. All right, <laughs> keep sending in your requests. Keep the call switched in to see which stocks our committee will be looking at next. At CMC, we've been in the game for a while. And although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second-to-none trading tools. Plus, our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website. All right, well, we'll hear next and next five. Nick Scar. Lavisa, City Chic, uh, Energy World Corporation, and Silvermine. So, Nick Scarly in the retail space. And uh, Paul wanting to know about this. It's, uh, well, it's had a fairly dramatic pullback off around 30% uh, this year so far. It is looking to expand its um, footprint, though, just in terms of the number of stores. And also recently bought plush Think Sofas. Nathan. Yeah, I, was, I had a plush store down the road from me and suddenly it kind of disappeared. <laughs> so you kind of knew something was happening. Um, Nick Scarly is a really good business. Um, it, it'll, it'll do well in the cycle. Uh, unfortunately, the cycle is going to struggle. Um, you don't buy too many couches. Uh, it's not a discretionary spending that comes up every, every year. Um, and it's heavily linked to what's happening in the property cycle. So as property cycle slows down, I suspect Nick Scarly is... Um, our performance will come off as well. It was belted um, during that period uh, in the first half of the year um, with retail stocks, with media stocks, because everyone was suddenly priced in the recession, which um, you know Australia should avoid. So I don't think it's a scare story for Nick Scarly. It's a well-managed business. I think it'll do well, um, but I think it'll be tougher going forward. You're not, you don't have the stimulus-driven upside that we had in the last couple of years. So you've got to start looking at things how they were pre-pandemic. And Nick Scully is still trading at a much higher uh, share price than what it was pre-pandemic. So as things slow down, with the cycle slowing down, I think Nick Scully will come off. Uh, they have obviously increased their um, exposure, so that should help them. But I think the cycle is the most important one. That What's happening to the consumers is unbelievable. Um, and I don't think that can hold up uh, into the future. I think it's somewhere in the next three to six months we should start to see the weakness coming through. Mm. Uh, I mean, that's why the RBA is slowing down their hikes. Um, so in that context, I think it hits most consumers and these kind of ones, the big ticket items will struggle. So I think Nick Scarly here, um, look, if you bought it cheaper, 
I think it's okay. You can hold it. It'll it'll mm. you know do okay. It's a good business, well managed. But if I'm putting fresh money, this is probably not the place I'd be jumping in for the yep. upside. Okay, correct. We recently uh, bought this into coverage. Um, uh, look, I've got to say we we probably have missed Nick Scully over the years, um, underestimated it, and um, and missed what a glorious business this is. But it only takes five minutes looking at the numbers to realize that there's something special about Nick Scully. It, it sells half a billion dollars worth of couches. Uh, that's mind boggling, but more than that, the growth in front of it is actually substantial. Um, most businesses of, or retailers of this size anyway, you'd, you'd find they just turn into dividend machines and there's not a lot of growth or they, they, street, they stretch to try and, and get growth from unnatural sources. And here, I, I think the, the store count can sort of increase by 80% or so over the next um, five or six years. So there's a fair bit of growth ahead of it. Um, as I said, the, uh, uh, there's, there's magic here. The management, I don't know how they've done it. It's astonishing, absolutely astonishing. The returns on capital, the inventory management, the cost control, the cash and the dividend payments, it's all, um, you, you can't fault it. It is astonishing. This is way up there on the list of businesses I want to own. And look, I actually think you can nibble now and just start an initial position. Uh, everything Nathan said is right. This is the wrong cycle for it. But you're never going to buy this um, otherwise. You have to buy it when it's uncomfortable to buy it. And you're going to have to buy it when it looks like it's all falling over and going in a heap. It won't. This is a spectacularly run business. Really dominant now. And um, I really want to own this. I'm going to go hold as well. Mm. But, but I, I think for those who have a long-term focus, the, this is the sort of opportunities um, I, I think that are interesting for long-term investors. Interesting, indeed. Uh, well, we're going to stay in the retail space for the next couple of stocks, in fact, to our next one is LaVisa, which is loved by many to the point where we're sitting at close to all-time highs as far as its share price is concerned. Um, it is the jewellery retailer. And of course, we are heading into that time of the year, aren't we, Gore? <laughs> yeah, look, yeah, love is the right word. This is my favourite retailer. I've been saying it for years. Um, I've owned it for years. Um, I think it's the best retailer I've, I've ever seen. Um, you know, I, I tell this story all, all the time, so Maith hates it, but um, <laughs> the first time we came across it was during a, a development session at Intelligent Investor, and I thought it was a fraud. I thought it was a fake. They're making so much money. The returns were so high. I thought there was something fishy going on. And um, as we dug into it, we realized this is just an exceptionally, exceptionally um, run company. The economics are just built ground up to be perfect retail. You know, you've got a tiny store footprint, really good sales um, per square, square meter, one person, um, no cabinets or drawers. Everyone goes around, picks up what they want, really quick logistics network, and everything is vertically integrated. So they control the design, um, distribution, and retail as well. So they capture an 80% gross margin. I think there's room here for thousands of stores. I know the price looks silly. It's still a buy. I think this is going to be um, this is going to be a global brand one day, and um, you're going to have to pay silly prices to get access to it. Um, it's still a buy. It's it's the it's the best retail I've ever seen. All right, you wouldn't, yeah. wouldn't wait for a, a pullback. You'd... No. Yeah. Buy some now. If it pulls back, buy some more. <laughs> right. Okay, double down. Yeah. Yes. Starting like you're sounding like one of those Bitcoin guys. Yeah, I know. Right? <laughs> Dangerous. Sell, yeah, goes sell your house yeah. and buy Bitcoin. Try and get a try and get a transcript of the AGM yeah. and and listen to the plans that these guys have. They are executing. These guys know their business mm. inside out. They've just bought in. Um, 
a new guy, Victor Herrero from, um, um, from Zara. He, he rolled out 600 stores in China, one of the hardest places for a Western company to roll out stores. He rolled out 600 of them in, 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 in Asia. Um, he's being compensated. If he hits his targets, he's going to make 30 or $40 million um, for mm-hmm. the next two years. So he's going to be sitting there earning $70 million, a really big incentive, a proven track record, the, the best economics and retail ahead of him. Yeah, I, I think this is a very good chance of succeeding here. All right. Nathan? Oh, look, it, it is a phenomenally well-run business. Um, and the, log- the, the concept behind it, it's very... I mean, it's pretty common in sub- subcontinent culture where you buy fake jewelry to match your um, attire. <laughs> mm. And that's been going on for decades. So do I think the model will struggle? No. I think that what they're doing and how they manage inventory is amazing. Just in time, it's the worst idea in a pandemic. It goes completely pear share. But, you know, it's a one in 100 years. So assume that that's not coming back. This is a great business model. The rollout story holds. Um, at the amount of time, my boy and I stand outside a LaVisa store waiting for my <laughs> wife and daughter to pick what they want, mm. uh, tells me that they should continue to do well. But look, as amazing as it is, it's a cyclical. It doesn't just go up. When things start to go down, these yeah. things will come off. Um, look, I think it's, it's interesting that they've had actually got really big upgra- you know, updates recently. And the share price is not doing a lot because most Pretty much everyone who wants to be there is there. It's one of the most crowded small cap trades out there. Um, the City Chic used to be, and we'll talk about that. Yeah. Um, and it's one of those, I'm not saying this thing is going to collapse mm. because I think it is the logic behind it is really strong. But I think, you know, even the great CSO gives you a 30, 40% pullback every couple of years, right? I think LaVisa comes off uh, because it is still a high multiple. It is a growth story. I believe the growth story but the market will lose interest when market starts to wobble and you'll get a discount. So I think over the next three to six months, I expect a market pullback that's to play out and you'll get it a bit cheaper mm. and you buy it. Um, and this is one of those top retailers that you want to buy and the growth story will be there for years to come. All right, so well, we'll call that a hold with the potential, uh, I think you, but if yeah, you want to get in, If, you, if you've been in there, you've had a ride, you hold it, yeah. uh, but fresh money, I'll be waiting for a pullback. All right. Well, uh, Nathan mentioned uh, City Chic. It's a bit of a different story on that front. Mm. Uh, you only have to look at the share price to see there it is the, the plus size fashion retailer. Shares down, uh, what is it, for the past uh, year, in fact, they're down, goodness, close to 90%. And um, Wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I didn't realize it was that cheap. <laughs> <Wow. laughs> All right. Talk us through this one then, Nathan. Yeah, 650 down to 70 cents. Um, yeah, that's a... That's a fall. That's a fall. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now, if you asked everyone, say, 16, uh, 15 months ago, yeah. it was the most crowded trade out there. Yeah, Every well, small cap fund manager was in it. That's where that right? share price went. Yep. And the classic quant factor. If you are in an upgrade for multiple years, the first downgrade, run. Mm. Don't look back, just run. Mm. And that is a classic example. Um, and Levisa is one that's accounted to that. They've actually been able to hold through. Pandemic crash, yes, everyone knows and everything got hit, right? That's a bus crash, everyone gets hit. But since then, this is the classic thing. This has been in a downgrade cycle forever. Now it's trading pretty close to the pandemic lows um, and it's been beaten up. Uh, Is it time to jump in? Ooh, it's a tough one because it looks cheap, Mm. but in a cyclical stock that's been beaten up this much, Mm. um, there's always a risk of cap raising. There's always a risk of management fleeing. 
these are the things that you've got to be worried about. So I'm a bit skeptical. Um, if you are there, geez, you've taken so much pain. Uh, I would say just, yeah, uh, it's a, it's a, you need to see a psychologist. Yeah, just, just hold on and hope they do something better. Fresh money, you want to wait till they actually come up with a plan of what they want to do. I'm not jumping in with hope because what I want to see is someone do something or have some competitive advantage. At the moment, neither of it's there. Mm. So I'm looking at it because it is such a crowded trade that's unwound that there is upside, but I don't think you jump in now. You've got to wait for something to motivate you to see the change in the outlook. Right now, we don't see that. Um, and we haven't had the recession cycle yet, and this has already been smashed. So I'm not chasing this right now, uh, but it is definitely one I'm keeping an eye on. I want to see what they do before I react. So at the moment, it's if you're there, geez, hold. Uh, but if you're not there, don't. Uh, wait for them to give you an idea of what they want to do, and mm. then you know, react to that. Yeah. Look, I know it's retail the way Lavisa is retail, but these guys are completely different. Yeah. This is not, it doesn't enjoy those same um, economics that Lavisa enjoys. They got larger stores, you've got more staff, um, you've got higher rents. The worst thing about it is that in clothing, you've got different sizes to contend with. You've got um, fashions that come and go every season. So that inventory management is an impossible task. They've done a good job historically, but once they lose control of inventory, it's really hard to correct. You, you then have forced a discount, you, you hurt your brand, and you just one, the one thing you don't do in investing is buy a turnaround retailer. <laughs> when a retailer is falling, it's, it is the riskiest thing. It, I, I can't think of many examples where retailers I'll give turned. you an example. If we're old enough to remember, mm. remember Just Jeans? They mm. went through a cycle where they mm. bought too many orange clothes. It was the in orange. thing. Yeah, it was the in thing at that time. <laughs> they bought so much inventory orange mm. and they just couldn't get rid of it. And it got absolutely pummeled. And that's the problem with retail because if you get it wrong and you're stuck with the wrong thing at the wrong part of the cycle and things go spare shape, you can't get out. Mm. And compare that to LaVisa. Sorry to bring this back to LaVisa, but just in comparison, yeah. they know um, every single piece of inventory in their network and they monitor that and they collect the data from it so they know what's mm. selling in real time. Mm. So they can then tell their production and design team, look, this is the sort of thing that's selling, let's make more of it or let's do something similar. And then that shifts over, I think it takes them two weeks or, or something, it's a, it's a very short amount of time to get from production to yeah. install. Whereas these guys, um, they have to make different sizes, different colors, uh, styles change, weather changes, it's never going to be a clothing retailer is just infinitely harder and it's it's i don't think you're ever going to get the same economics as you can get from a lavisa um and and once a retailer is broken it's very hard to fix this is broken this is still a sell um i, I don't think you want to be bottom fishing or, or trying hoping for a turnaround they have to fix the inventory they have to get market confidence back there's probably management changes coming yeah. um and, and i don't know if their brand's been damaged or not it's going to be right. really hard so you just got to cop it and yep. get out you say yeah all right, okay, let's uh, move into back into the resources space. Uh, energy, uh, in fact, Energy World Corporation, Lyndon saying, is there hidden value here? It is an independent uh, company um, engaged in the production, sale, and power development in the LNG space uh, with a focus on Asia Pacific. Um, Gaurav, mm. grand name, does it live up to that name? I've never heard of it. Um, <laughs> and as I was going through the presentation, I got to the end of it and I thought, I have no idea what this company does. Mm. And 
like there are so many ideas. Is, is there hidden value? Maybe, I don't know. They do a lot of stuff. They have a lot of assets. They're, they make money, you know, there's, there's ambition there. There's some insider ownership. It's probably not a disaster. But if they can't put a deck, deck together that explains what the business does, then for, f I mean, for goodness sake. <laughs> yeah, shit. I mean, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I've got no patience for this. Um, yeah, there are, there are thousands of companies. If a management can't put together a deck that explains what the company does in, in 20 slides, come All right, on. we don't no, need to go it's on. It's just yeah. too hard. Yeah, yeah. All right, um, so that's a big avoid. Like we're talking about um, energy production in Indonesia, in the Philippines, then they got Australian gas. How does it all fit together? What's mm. the strategy? I don't want to buy Indonesian assets in the ground. Um, I once owned an Indonesian silver mine and woke up when the government had forced um, uh. the sale of it. Um, you know, one morning, they just decided, oh, we're going to buy that, 40% um, of that, um, that. I also once owned an Indonesian uh, coal mine and that disappeared from the government as well. Mm. You don't want to be owning Indonesian hard assets. All right. They are not safe. Oh, it's got a yeah. risk. All right, uh, Nathan. Oh, look, quick summary. It's got 2.6 billion shares. Yeah, um, not a good sign either. Yeah, it's yeah. 125 mil market cap. It yeah. just raised about 50 mil. Um, so, you, you know, if you're an existing shareholder, you just got diluted out to buggery. Mm. Um, it's, it's not a massive growth story. Um, it does move around on contracts or deals, and every so often you get this massive price spike. I don't know how, but it's 125 mil, so it doesn't trade as much, so you can spike it. Um, I'd be saying this is a tough play in the current market. Do you understand market. what it actually does? It's basically <laughs> energy pro projects, right? It produces energy. They invest in projects that produces energy for different parts of the world. Uh, in Asia. Told them to put that in the slide deck. Yeah, I know. But it's it's not sexy, right? That's not going to sell. Um, so mm -hmm. the reality is it's an underperforming, more or less a utility type play. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't think the risk return stacks up. Um, it's raised uh, so much money recently that, you know, if you're an existing shareholder, you just got dollared out to buggery. So I'm not chasing this. It looks cheap, but that's because it should be. Um, I think it's a high risk play. I, I don't see the... I don't see the... Uh, as Gurab put, uh, the story why you're buying it and the, the numbers are look a bit patchy at the best. Okay, no, in other words. No. Okay, all right, let's round it out with Silver Mines, um, doing what the name says there. And uh, uh, Andrew wanted to know about this, not me, but um, <laughs> uh, in particular, Gaurav's mm. view would be of most interest, I'm sure. That, that's no slight on you, Nathan, but okay, <laughs> Gaurav, let's start with you then. Uh, first of all, I'd never heard of it before today, but then when I opened up, um, some information. I found it owns the Bowden's um, silver mine, which is actually mm. quite a, a famous mine. It's a, it's a huge development project. I actually owned this at one stage. <laughs> in um, it used to be owned by Kingsgate, which is a, an old yeah. gold business in, in in Thailand. And by the way, I woke up one morning to find <laughs> out the Thai government had just banned gold mining. And after that, I just I'm not investing in any mines in Asia ever again, mm. and I never have. Uh, but that's a different story. Um, so um, Kingcake was forced to, or I think they decided to split this um, silver business out. Um, they put a fair bit of work into it, and it's actually developed into a really nice-looking silver deposit. Um, uh, silver's really fascinating. We won't go into it all today, but um, but it, the, it, it's been around for 10,000 years. And um, the, the science of processing silver is quite simple. It's very easy to understand especially with a mine like this that's really low um, uh, waste to ore strip ratios. Um, it's, it's shallow to the ground. It's pretty big. Um, the processing is well understood. I, I think this goes to market. I think there's a really high probability that this gets produced. The problem is they need 
probably $300 million to do it is my guess. They're saying 250, it's probably gonna be more than that. Um, so there's a big funding challenge here. And this is a mine that's been in development for 12 years or so. So um, it looks like there's some reluctance to fund the project. I think this is interesting. Um, it's, it's, I think the economics are there, the, the geology is there. They just need to get the finances there. I would wait and hold off until they can show that they've managed to finance this the mine and, and then it becomes interesting. I think it's still going to get approval too as well. Oh, yeah, that's right. They're waiting for approval, but that yeah. should come uh, early next year or so. Yeah. They should get that fairly shortly. And they've gone through a whole lot of other permitting and approvals already. I don't see any reason why this doesn't get approved. Um, but, but yeah, the, the funding is probably the main problem. It's, it's the business is only 250 market cap. This is going to get heavily diluted yeah. if they have to raise capital. Bank debt's harder to get. I think it's going to be a challenge. So but wait for early. that. Too early. Yeah. yeah. But interesting project. Good yeah. looking, um, good looking mine. All right, mate. Oh, look, silver is an interesting uh, commodity um, with precious metals. We like gold. Mm. I think silver plays positive on this as well. Um, I think silver has a pretty decent outlook over the next six to 12 months. Um, interesting you said that because they will have to come and dilute. My mm. guess is over the next six months, you're probably going to have a pretty decent run in silver and this will look pretty decent. I think it'll get the funding, but it'll dilute a fair amount of shareholders. This is one I would keep an eye on and say when they do the dilution, then get in. Um, and then you would know how this is being funded and how much dilution you're getting. You come in after. People who are paying up beforehand is going to be funding that process. Um, so it's one to keep on your shopping list. Um, when you're looking at an explorer in this cycle, especially with silver recovering now, I would say wait for the deal to be done and mm. you know where you are and then move forward. It's a, it's a wait and see. I'm going to throw one out there. Um, Adriatic Metals, um, it, they're, they're building a, a multi-metal but predominantly silver project in, in Bosnia and European mines are scary. Oh, yeah, um, but this one looks like it's got a lot of support. Um, they're halfway through construction. If you want to, to bet on silver, that, that's probably a better way to do There's it. There's not too many producing many. silver players yeah, out yeah. there, except the ones in The largest uh, silver South producer 32. in the world is actually South 32. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And that's a declining mine, so you're not going to get much. All right, and not a lot of sovereign risk. Uh, from which one? South 32? Yeah. It's in Queensland. Exactly. Um, there's not much. <laughs> well, maybe there is now. In the Queensland well, government. Oh, know. okay. Yeah. All, right. You never know. <laughs> All right, let's uh, sum up where we've been for the second half of the show then. Uh, we began in the retail space. Nick Scarly there. It's a hold from both. Um, it uh, well, in fact, it's a, a bit of a nibble there from from Gorev. Mm. Uh, Lavisa, which ha is loved certainly by Gorev, he's uh, owned it for years. It is a buy even at these levels, which is near its uh, near its highs. And uh, Nathan, he's got a hold on it. He wants to wait for a pullback in the price, but obviously uh, uh, acknowledges uh, how good a business it is. Uh, City Chic, a very different story. A hold from Nathan saying if you, if you held it down to these levels, it's off close to 90% this year. You just, just hold on. Uh, it looks cheap, but still not really, given where the business is. Gaurav, um, he's got a sell on it. And then Energy World Corporation, a no from Gaurav, a no from, uh, from Nathan. And finally there, Silver Mines. Uh, it is essentially a watch from both, but uh, perhaps looking for the silver price to appreciate as we're seeing with gold. All right, that is our show for today. Uh, Gaurav, thanks for joining us from Intelligent Investing. Thanks, Andrew. And Nathan from Deep Data Analytics. Always great to have you guys on. <laughs> All right, and if you'd like to uh, cover a stock here, then flick us an email, the call at osbiz.com.au. You can tweet us at osbiz.tv. And a reminder, you can find those stocks in the calls portfolio. You head to osbiz.co forward slash Portfolio, coming up.
On the small caps, Ascari Metals uh, Executive Director joins us after the business acquires its second lithium project in Namibia. Uh, join us for that.